Welcome to Desert City Church's podcast. Thanks for listening in. What you are about to hear is a sermon given live at one of our Sunday gatherings. We are a new church serving neighborhoods on the edge of North Phoenix and Scottsdale, Arizona. Our sermons are ongoing conversations around a sacred text or scripture in which we find the story of Jesus. We hope they inspire you to love God and others more. If we can serve you in any way or answer any questions about our community, please don't hesitate to ask. You can find out more info at DesertCityChurch.com. Good morning, everybody. It's so good to be here. Um, My name's Christy, as Jared shared, and I've known Jared for a long time. My husband and I graduated high school with Jared, went to the same school as Marcy as well. Marcy was that senior when I was a freshman who I just adored and wanted to be like. She just was so cool and so beautiful, and she still is both of those things. Um, And we've done a lot of life with Jared and Marcy. We um, got married just about one year apart, almost exactly. Uh, We've done a lot of youth ministry together over the years. Uh, We had our first kids uh, pretty much together. We were pregnant together, and then Sophia was born three months before my oldest, Oliver, was born. And from the time that they were very little, we laid them next to each other. So when Sophia was three months, Oliver was born, I laid him as a little newborn next to her, and we began to tell them that they are supposed to get married to each other. (laughs) And what's so funny about that is that even now, as they're third graders, that they still subconsciously believe that they're supposed to get married. And so um, we are all for arranging marriages, and we're trying to get from family to actual family. So we're really hoping that that works out as they get older. It's okay if it doesn't, but really, though, we want them to get married. Um, So we've known them for a long time. And now um, my husband and I, who's in the back, um, currently serve at Arcadia City Church, which is one of your sister churches. Uh, here in the central area of Phoenix, and uh, we get to do ministry alongside each other. We get to support each other and encourage each other, and so in many ways, it's kind of a dream come true. So it's, it really is such a joy and an honor to be with you this morning, so thank you for allowing me to come uh, into this space. As Jared mentioned, we're in this series, and we're in this series at Arcadia City as well called Extremely Emotional. I don't love that title. It's sort of ridiculous, but... Uh, I do love the content, and just as Jared said, we're really talking through these emotions that we experience in our life. Um, At Arcadia, we've talked about sadness and anger. I think you've talked about maybe joy and anger, Um, and and I really would love to continue on with that conversation this morning. We're going to be talking about this emotion of anxiety in our life, and I felt like this was uh, a good thing to talk about as it's Mother's Day, by the way. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms here this morning. Jared uh, hesitantly asked me if I would speak because it is Mother's Day. And he said, you know, I hate to ask you. It's technically your day off. And I said, this, this is exactly where I want to be. This is totally what I want to be doing. So I'm so happy to be here and to do this. But I think anxiety is an appropriate topic because I don't think you know what anxiety is until you have children. Right? I mean, if you think about that moment when the the baby comes and uh, if you're the mom, they generally lay the baby on your chest and it's this joyous moment, but then immediately you're struck with, oh my goodness, I am now responsible for this tiny, seemingly very fragile human for the rest of its life. And it's terrifying and and it definitely stirs up anxiety. Uh, And then I think, too, that that Mother's Day, although it's a wonderful day for many of us, 
can also be a hard day. And I want to just acknowledge that this morning, that, that if you've lost a mom, um, if you have an estranged relationship with your mom, if you've lost a child, then Mother's Day is a really hard day, and it can stir up anxiety in a whole other sort of realm and area. Uh, so I think it's appropriate to, t- to talk about this emotion. Uh, at Arcadia, and potentially here, this, there's a sort of a phrase that we've been using throughout the series to talk about our emotions. And it's, it's simply this, that um, our emotions can be the engine that drive us, or they can be the dashboard that indicates something that's going on inside us or around us. In other words, they can control us, they can control every relationship and every circumstance and every interaction, or they can just give us insight into what's happening inside of us and potentially what God wants to do inside of us. And so I think that's absolutely true of anxiety, that it can control our lives, it can drive us, or it can just give us insight into what's happening inside of us and potentially what God might want to be do, do inside of us and through us. Um, so we're going to be in the book of Exodus this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to begin in, in chapter 2 in just a few minutes. And if you don't have your Bibles, that's totally fine. I've put some key verses that will come up on the screen so you can follow along that way. Um, but before we jump into uh, the story of Moses, uh, I'd love just to take a minute and pray over us and just invite God to speak. That's really what we're here to hear is just to hear from him. So let's just invite him in. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. And we thank you for uh, the opportunity to be gathered in the space, to join together, to be a community of believers who are seeking after you. And I just pray, Lord God, that you would speak, that as we open your word in just a few minutes, uh, Lord, that this wouldn't be anything that, that I have to say, but that this would be something that you want to say. And Father, would you give us the ears to hear um, what it is that you want to tell us, what it is that you want to speak to us, Father, and would you um, use these words for transformation, that we would look more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. So anxiety. Um, Let me ask a question, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, but I won't call on you, so I promise. Uh, So this is safe. This is safe space. But how many of you uh, have been in a church setting of some kind, uh, potentially in a small group, maybe in something like this, Uh, maybe as a college student or a high school student, you sat through Young Life or a college group, and you've heard the Christian leader talk about anxiety. Just raise your hand. And a lot of other words we use for anxiety are worry. Or nobody has ever, okay, okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. I was going to say, oh boy, okay. So for those of you that raised your hand, I think it's possible that you might have heard a few lies about anxiety. And so before we jump into the story of Moses, I just want to speak those lies out loud, and maybe you can identify. So I think the first lie that we're often told, especially in a Christian context, is that anxiety is bad. You don't have to raise your hand, but has anyone heard that before? Anxiety is bad. It's something inherently bad, wrong, harmful about it. So the first one is anxiety is bad. And then the second one, which really flows kind of right out of that, is that if you have anxiety, if you have worry or stress in your life, that there's something wrong with you. Potentially, you've heard that before. And I think this happens a lot in a Christian context because we really believe that in a a lot of ways that the opposite of worry and stress and anxiety is trust in God and dependence on God. So therefore, if you have anxiety and stress in your life, you must not be trusting God and therefore there must be something that's not quite right. And you've probably heard, well, you just need to pray more. 
Well, you just need to give it to God more. And you say, well, I have done that. Well, just do it again. Just do it again. Just do it again. And so oftentimes, I think, unfortunately, in the Christian world, we make people feel a lot of shame because they have worry and anxiety in their life. We make them feel like there's something wrong with them, and maybe you felt that before. And so I just want to be clear about something. Science tells us that anxiety is not bad, that anxiety in and of itself is actually a good and helpful emotion. And so I just want you to know that if you have it, you're normal. I mean, science tells us that everybody has anxiety of some kind, that everybody deals with stress and worry, and that's okay, that's normal, that's actually good, that's actually healthy. There's not something wrong with you. Um, anxiety and stress actually give us the energy we need to respond to our life in a healthy way. We experience this emotion when something around us is potentially dangerous or harmful to us. So if you find yourself in the middle of a forest, which I don't know why you would, potentially on your camping trip, men, and you experience a bear, you know, kind of, it shows up. Now this might work more in the desert if you, if you see a rattlesnake, but just go with me with the bear thing for a second. You see a bear, well that anxiety and stress that you experience there is actually helpful because it triggers your flight, freeze, or fight, flee, fight, or freeze uh, response. And so if you see a bear, then you have immediately this surge of adrenaline and energy to respond in a way that's going to be helpful to you, that might actually save your life. Does anyone know if you're supposed to run or you're supposed to freeze? Freeze? I was going through this and I thought, I don't even really know what the right thing to do is. I'm glad you know what to do. That's really good. So don't run, you're supposed to freeze. I can remember I went uh, to Montana. My aunt and uncle-in-law lived there for a period of time and my husband and I visited them and it had been very hot in Phoenix. We were visiting in September and so it was still very hot here and I thought, I am going to go on a run. And they gave me bear spray, which is apparently some kind of pepper spray for bears. I don't know. Um, I didn't run into one, but apparently if you run into a bear, you're supposed to freeze. But it's anxiety, this stress that helps us respond to that. It's actually a good thing. It's a good thing. I was reading this week about, um, about mothers and how as a mom, when we're pregnant and when we're getting ready to deliver the baby, and even in those first months when we're caretaking for our children, that we oftentimes experience anxiety. And that's because um, there's a hormone that we, that we have that we experience in this time, and it's there for a reason. It gives us the energy that we need. It produces anxiety, which gives us the energy that we need in order to caretake, to protect, to keep our baby safe. Um, I don't know about you, if what your experience is, but for me, I've had four kids and the newborn stage is hard. It's hard. It requires a lot of energy to caretake for this child that keeps you up all night, right? And you have to feed them and you have to walk them and they cry all the time and you have to change all these diapers. Well, you know why you can do that? How you have the energy to do that? Because you have this anxiety that's released. So guess what? It's not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. Now, can it be harmful? Yes, sometimes it can, just like any of our emotions. If we allow them to take over us and to take control, they can turn negative really quickly. But just let's be very upfront here. It's okay. So if you're here and you experience anxiety and stress and worry in your life, you're normal, and that's a healthy thing to experience. 
So, so the question though is, we have this emotion, and is there, is there something in the scriptures that gives us insight uh, into how we're supposed to handle this emotion in a way that honors God? And the question I really want to, to ask this morning and to wrestle with with you as we look at the story of Moses and Exodus is, um, can God use your anxiety for his good purposes? I want to ask that again. Can God use your anxiety for his good purposes? And is it possible that God might want to speak to you in your anxiety? that he might want to pull you and draw you into deeper places of transformation. And if he wants to speak to you, what is he wanting to speak to you? So we're going to kind of wrestle with that. Um, I read a book this week, at least a a good section of it, um, and I loved the title of the book. It's called The Anxious Christian, Can God Use Your Anxiety for Good? And it's by Rhett Smith. So if this is an emotion that you deal with a lot in your life, this was a really great and helpful read. I would really recommend it. But I, I really liked uh, what he said. And he says this, uh, anxiety can often indicate something constructive happening within us, beckoning us to follow it in order that our lives might be transformed. In other words, anxiety is an invitation from God to transformation in our life. It seems like a good thing, not a bad thing. He writes this, anxiety is part of our lives, but we don't have to let it keep us living in a prison of fear or retreating in shame. We have the opportunity to look it square in the face and allow God to use it to transform our lives. And I think as we look at this story of Moses, we're going to encounter a man that had a lot of anxiety And we're going to see how God used that anxiety and stress in his life to speak to him and to bring about really good, wonderful things in him and through him. So again, if you have your Bibles, chapter 2 of Exodus is where we're going to start this story. And I know that this is probably a story that many of you are familiar with. Anyone saw the Prince of Egypt with their kids? A few of you? Okay. Really great theme song by Mariah Carey uh, and Winnie Houston. In case you're interested, you can look it up later. Um, But we're familiar with this story because it's been told to us a lot. But I'd love just to take a couple minutes and kind of just help us kind of get into it, uh, get into this story. So it begins really in a a dark period in history. Uh, Moses is born into a world in which the baby boys are being murdered. Uh, The Israelites live in fairly close proximity uh, to the Egyptians, and there's this pharaoh that's currently ruling over the people at the time. And he gets a little bit nervous that the number of the Hebrew people is going to increase so drastically that they're going to be a threat to him and to his rule. And so he decides that the best way to control the numbers of the Hebrews is to murder the baby boys. So this is what Moses is born into. Um, And the king basically says to all the Hebrew midwives, it's your responsibility to murder these children. And the midwives that deliver Moses make this really brave and bold decision to not do what the king has asked them to do, to ignore what Pharaoh is requiring of them. And the fact that Moses is even born and and is alive is huge. It's, It's a miracle. And so then this mom, the mom of Moses, decides she's going to do her very best to conceal him. And she does this for a few months, three, four months, until she realizes this is very difficult. If you have a baby, you know they cry. They make noise. And so it's hard sometimes to conceal them. And so really, I can't even imagine as a mother what this feels like, but she determines that the very best thing she can think to do to save her child is to make a basket 
to, to put tar on it so that it's waterproof, to lay her only beautiful son um, or this baby boy in the basket and to release it onto the Nile River and just to pray. I mean, I'm sure she does this through tears. She's probably in agony, um, but this is what she thinks is the best option. And so the scriptures tell us that Moses' sister Miriam runs alongside the basket as it floats down the river and she watches what happens. And the basket makes its way to the Pharaoh's palace, to his, um, his home. And Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses. And she knows he's Hebrew because she knows what's happening, but she takes pity on him. And, and Miriam, his sister who's there, runs over and says, I will take this baby back to a woman I know who can nurse him, and then we'll bring him back to you when he's weaned. And so she agrees. And so then, think about this. Potentially two, three, four years later, when Moses has been fully weaned, his mom has to take him back to Pharaoh's daughter. Again, this is for his survival. Now, here's the thing. I have read this story a lot of times. I've heard it told a lot of times. I've watched The Prince of Egypt more than once with my kids. And so I think sometimes what happens when we read the scriptures is we're so familiar with the stories that we forget that these were actually real people. I'm guilty of this. And they become almost two-dimensional to us. We forget that there are very real emotions evolved in this story. And that Moses probably felt completely abandoned by his mom. He doesn't understand as a, a three or a four-year-old boy that there are right reasons for his mom doing what she did, that she really had to, that she had no other choice. All he thinks is, my mom doesn't love me. She doesn't care about me anymore. She abandoned me. Now, that kind of trauma in your life produces anxiety. It produces stress. And so we know from the beginning of Moses' story that this is somebody who deals with anxiety. And we know this because if you look at the next section of his story, Moses grows up. We, we don't know a ton about his childhood um, with the Egyptians living with Pharaoh's daughter as his mom. We don't know a whole lot. But what we do know is that he gets older and we pick up the story in verse 11 of chapter 2. It says, One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. So Moses knows that he's been living as an Egyptian, but he's not actually Egyptian. So he, he knows that something's up. And he watches what's happening to his people. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, and he glanced this way and that to see if anyone was looking and when he noticed that they weren't, he kills, he murders this Egyptian, and he buries him in the sand. Again, this is trauma. To me, this tells me Moses is dealing with some emotion in his life. He's got some anger. He's got some stress. He might be a little bit anxious, right? And so then the next day he's out, and he sees two Hebrews fighting each other, and he decides he's going to intervene again. He asks the one, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? And the man says, well, who made you ruler and judge over me? And over us, are you thinking of killing me just like you killed the Egyptian? And Moses goes, uh-oh, that's not good. Somebody has seen what I've done. And then verse 15 says that when Pharaoh heard of this, he tries to kill Moses. So Moses is again on the run. His life is again in danger. I, I don't, I'm not a therapist, but I feel like he might be dealing with some anxiety in his life. It's possible. 
And so Moses runs. And if you think about that scientific uh, response that we have of freeze, uh, fight, or flee, Moses is fought and he's fleeing now. He runs to the desert. So get, he's anxious. And he runs and, and tries to begin a new life where he leaves what has happened to him, which is very traumatic, behind him. He gets married, he has a child, um, he becomes a shepherd. And here's where it's challenging because the scriptures don't tell us about his new life in the desert a whole lot. I mean, I wonder if Moses struggled with nightmares. I mean, I wonder if he at times lashed out against his family because he has this anxiety that's in him from this trauma that he's experienced in his life. I mean, I wonder what his life was actually like and did he experience anxiety? What I do know to be true is that so often when we experience these very strong and powerful emotions in our life that sometimes we think, I'll just go around it. You know, if I just ignore it, if I just kind of press it down, if I just don't think about it, if I put it out of my mind, then I'll be good. But the truth is, with emotions like this, they haunt us. We, if we try and go around them, ultimately, they're, they're going to come after us. They're going to show up in our relationships, in, in our circumstances, and in our interactions. And so God calls us really to address these issues, and we're going to see him do that with Moses. But Moses has this trauma. He has this anxiety, and he's, I think, attempting to work around it. But God doesn't let him get away with that. And so one day, Moses is out tending the sheep, and you know this is a very famous part of the story, and he looks out and he sees a bush that's on fire. And it's interesting because it's on fire, but the bush isn't being burned. It's just on fire continually. And so Moses goes to examine this, and he hears this voice come out of the bush, and it's God's voice. He says, I'm the God of your forefathers, of Abraham and Jacob. And, and they begin to have this dialogue. And what God begins to tell him is this, that God has some, a plan for him, that God has this assignment, this mission uh, for Moses. He says this, And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So God addresses Moses and says, I have something for you to do. And I want you to think about the fact that our anxiety often makes us focus inward. It makes us, it narrows our vision. I want to say it that way. It narrows our vision. And so we have a hard time thinking beyond just what's in front of us. We have a hard time dreaming. We have a hard time thinking that maybe God wants to do something with our lives that's bigger than us. We just kind of get stuck. We get paralyzed by it sometimes when it occurs in our life. I have the sense that this is what Moses is experiencing and what God is saying to him and what he's saying to us this morning is, I have a bigger story that I'm writing and I want you to be a part of it. And your anxiety is going to hold you back. It's going to hold you back from saying yes to what I want to do in you and to what I want to do through you. Sometimes God's going to bring about transformation by creating new patterns in our life. And sometimes it's new pathways, new places we get to go on his behalf. So Moses gets this call from the Lord. And then I, I love how Moses responds. And I love it because really actually up until this week, I thought that Moses just has a lot of excuses. Man, that guy is full of excuses. I don't ever have any excuses. I don't know what that's like. But he has all these excuses. But as I read a little bit more, I realized that what's happening is Moses' anxiety is coming out. 
that this dialogue he has with God is actually the voice of anxiety in his life. And so I want to just look at how Moses responds. First thing he says back to God is, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who, who, who am I to do what you're asking me to do? And I wonder if you think about the voice of anxiety in your own life, it, if it tells you the same story that it's telling Moses. Who are you to do this thing that, you're, that you feel called or, or led to do? Who are you to marry that person? Who are you to have a child? Who are you to get that promotion at work? Who are you to do this or that or the next thing? This is the voice of anxiety in our life speaking to us. You're not good enough for that. You're, you're not worthy of that. Moses says this, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What, what should I tell them? In other words, if I go and I show up and things go really bad, what's going to happen? What am I supposed to tell them? On whose authority am I going? Because who am I that I, I would be the one to go to Pharaoh? In chapter 4, verse 1, he says this, what if they don't believe me or listen to me when I show up and they tell me that the Lord didn't appear to me? He says, what do I do then? And this is the voice of anxiety in our lives. It is always worst case scenario, right? I mean, it always tells us that the very worst thing that we could imagine to have happened to us will happen to us, that it will happen to us. And this is what's happening to Moses. This is what anxiety does to us. And then I, I love verse 10, because Moses is just like, I'm done. This is like my last ditch effort to try and get out of this. He says, oh, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and tongue. In other words, I cannot do this. There is just no way. I have this weakness. I, I, there's, I just don't have the capacity to do what you've asked me to do. This is the voice of anxiety in our life. Do you ever hear that voice tell you that you're not good enough? To tell you that who are you to try that? To say well, there's just a million things wrong with you that, that would mean that you can't do what the Lord is asking you to do? If you have that, this is the voice of anxiety. And Moses has a choice. And the truth is so do we in response to this emotion. We can allow it to give us energy to say yes to what God is asking us to do. We can say yes and move into this greater area and space of transformation in our life, or we can let it overpower us and paralyze us. We can let God write a bigger story with our lives, or we can just stay where we are for fear of stepping out. We have this choice. And I, I absolutely love what God does here in response to Moses and this voice of anxiety in his life. Because what God does is he doesn't go around the issue. He goes right for it. He goes right to the root of Moses' anxiety. Remember, Moses feels abandoned. He feels like his mom maybe didn't love him. And here's what the Lord says to Moses. I will be with you. I will be with you. I know you feel like your mom left you. I know you felt abandoned, but guess what? I'm not going anywhere. I am not going to abandon you. I will be with you. That is the root of Moses' anxiety, and God just goes right for it. And he goes on to say, Moses asked him, well, what am I supposed to say when they ask me who sent me? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you commentator wrote this about this phrase that the Lord gives Moses. 
says this, I am with you ties the promise of God's effective presence to his very being. Let me say that again. I am with you ties the promise of God's effective presence to his very being. In other words, it is in my very nature as God to be with you. This is who I am. This is my character. And so to not be with you would be a betrayal of my character. I just can't do it. I won't do it. I can't do it. So when I say I'll be with you, I mean I will be with you. I will be with you because it's just who I am. We might try and skirt our emotion. We might try and skirt our anxiety. We might try and go around it. But God says, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you address it. We're going to walk right through it. And we're going to do it together. And my words are going to be exactly what you need to hear as you walk through the root of this anxiety in your life. I know exactly what you need. I know exactly what you need. And so I thought, um, as we close today, and Tim, the band will come back up, but I want to lead you through just a very short time of response. And I want to, um, I'm going to ask you a few questions and then I'm going to leave about, I don't know, 30, 45 seconds of just silence. And my hope is as I leave that space, it sometimes feel real, feels real uncomfortable. I know, right? When you're, it's silent in a group of people, it's a little bit awkward and strange. But this is an opportunity for us just to hear from the Lord, right? Because Moses, in his anxiety, really needed to hear from God. That's really what he needed. He needed to hear from the Lord that the Lord is going to be with him that it wasn't going to leave him. Even though he'd had this trauma in his past, that God was going to stick with him. And I don't know what you need to hear this morning, but I know that I can't say it, that the Lord needs to say it. And so I want to just give you space to do that. I love that the Lord says to Moses, go back to Egypt. Go back. And that's hard. That's, that's the source of Moses' trauma. That's the source of his anxiety. But the Lord this morning might be saying, go back. Go back to your metaphorical Egypt, whatever that is. Let's go back and let's dig up what's really at the heart of what's happening. And here's what I want to do as, as we do this. I'd love for you just to plant your feet on the ground. So if you have them crossed, just uncross them. This is just a great way to kind of ground ourselves and uh, to hear from the Lord, to open ourselves to hear from the Lord. And this is if you feel comfortable. So if you're here and this, is, this isn't comfortable to you, that's, that's fine. You, you don't have to do this. I'm not forcing this on you. Um, and then if you would just take your hands and if you would lay them on your lap and just lay them open like this, just sort of indicates uh, that you're open to hear from God. And we're just going to take a big breath together. So we're going to inhale. And we're going to exhale. And if you feel comfortable, would you um, close your eyes? And let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for a space to talk about things that are hard. And I thank you that your word gives us insight into how it is that we're called to move through our, our emotions in a way that honors you. And so right now, we just want to hear from you. We want to give you space to speak. And so, Father, if we just leave this open, and so these words, if we hear any words, God, we just we want to respond to them as if you are here, as if you are speaking. And so the very first question we want to ask you, God, is how do I need to go back to Egypt? Father, would you take us to the root? If we're here this morning and we're feeling anxious, if we're feeling worried, God, would you reveal, God, what's the root of that? I just want to listen to you.
there's something that came to you, just write it down. And then the second thing we want to ask you, Father, is how can you use my anxiety for good? What do you need to speak to me right now that only you can speak? I'm listening. So we thank you, Jesus, um, for your word. We pray, Father, that this wouldn't just stop in this space and this time, that we would continue to sit before you, uh, that we would continue to ask you, Lord, what you need to do in us. We thank you that you are writing a big story and that you've invited us to participate. We pray, Lord, that our anxiety would give us the energy to move forward and, and not paralyze us to stay back. Pray, God, that you would use our anxiety for your purposes, God, for your good, God. Pray that you continue to speak to us just as you have this morning. We love you. We thank you. We praise you for a God that is with us, a God that desires to transform us, that we might look more and more like you with each passing day. We pray all these things in your son's name.